Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. If Levi's party was, was on one of those two days and Jesus and his disciples were there enjoying the party, then it would naturally raise the question, why are you and your disciples not complying with the expected norm? Why aren't you doing what we do? Now those folks who were asking that question, they understood why Levi and his friends weren't doing what they do. Because they understood that Levi and his friends were sinners and therefore they're not going to participate in the expected norm. But Jesus had been presenting himself as a righteous man. And so they are wondering, why isn't Jesus, why are not his disciples observing the established traditions. That leads me to truth point number one this morning, and that is that there is great difference between law and tradition. Are you aware of that? There is great difference between law and tradition, something that Pharisaic people rarely ever catch. But there is a great difference. As we think about this question being asked, though, be assured of this. It wasn't being asked simply because of curiosity. Oh, we see that Jesus, that you're not doing this and your disciples aren't doing it. We're just wondering. Could you explain to us? I mean, we just, we just want to know. You know. We're just curious. No, 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 no. The question was being asked with a sense of superiority and condemnation. How could you be Israel's Messiah when you keep company with sinners and you ignore the tradition of ritual fasting? That's really what's at stake here. So we come to verse 34 and we find Jesus responds to his inquisitors by linking his situation to that of the celebration that takes place at a wedding feast. You know, back in the day, weddings were pretty much a week-long affair. And for seven days, there was dancing and food and drink and joy and laughter and all-around goodwill that uh, was uh, experienced among the participants. As you can imagine, to fast at a wedding feast would be totally inappropriate. In fact, I discovered that there were rabbinical laws that forbade fasting. I mean, they actually put it in their book. You are not allowed to fast at a wedding feast. And so Jesus responds with this. He says, can you make wedding guests? Fast while the bridegroom is with them? (laughs) What did he mean by that? Well, let me tell you that in the Old Testament, the idea of the Messiah as a bridegroom was not known. However, it was known in the Old Testament that the people of God would be considered a bride. In the New Testament, we find very clearly that the idea of Jesus being the bridegroom who who, who attaches himself permanently with his bride becomes a very standard way of communicating the Messiah's relationship uh, with his people. And so when Jesus makes this response, he is, in effect, saying this. 
He is telling those who are asking the question, now is not the time for mourning. Now is not the time for sacrifice. Now is the time for rejoicing. Now is the time for celebrating. Well, tell us, Jesus, why is it not time to mourn? Why is it time to celebrate? Well, because the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus has already begun to preach that message that the kingdom of God has now broken into the world and it is near you. And Jesus is even beginning to suggest that he is the king of that kingdom. And so this is reason for celebration. Remember, going back to that sermon we looked at when he preached in Nazareth and they wanted to throw him off the cliff. Remember what he said? He quoted from Isaiah that the good news is being proclaimed to the poor in spirit. The brokenhearted are being healed. Captives of spiritual oppression are being delivered. Blind are regaining sight. The downtrodden are being set free. This, my friends, is the acceptable year of the Lord. There's reason to celebrate. God is doing something. He's bringing a new part of his plan into play. Truth point number two. As we've watched Jesus go through his ministry thus far, we are seeing that he is beginning to make it clear that what he is bringing to the people is not the same as what Judaism in its broken, worn out state was bringing. It wasn't the same. Now, Jesus confesses to these people who ask the question, he confesses there is coming a time when the bridegroom will be taken away. And really, I believe that's a reference to his impending crucifixion, his death, when he would be violently taken from those who follow him. But that's down the road. The bridegroom will be taken, but that's down the road. Right now is not that time. Right now is a time of celebration. Now, the comments that follow that response... Uh, are meant to drive home the point that not only is his gospel different than the works-based religion of Judaism, he's going to drive home the point that the two aren't even compatible. They're not compatible. They cannot go together. They do not fit. And that brings me to this title, uh, Old Rags, new bags. I can't take credit for that. Somebody else used that. And I thought, well, that's great. I'm going to steal it. So there it is. Uh, verse, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm cleared because I just confessed it to you. And so I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't my, my brain, brain getting that. So Luke chapter 36 through 38. After that response that Jesus gave about the bridegroom and the wedding feast, we're told that Jesus began to speak to them in a parable. Now, I know you all know what a parable is, right? Because if you've been around church very long, you've heard it said many times that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And we find, as we go through Jesus' ministry, that he often communicated his message by use of a parable. By the way, are you aware that teaching in parables was one of the signs that people could witness that would say, this is the Messiah. The Messiah was prophesied in the Old Testament that he would come teaching in parables. I've given you the references there. You can look them up later, but there they are on your note guide. Jesus begins with this parable about an old garment with a hole in it. And he said, no one would cut a piece of cloth from a new garment to patch an old one. 
that make sense? Nobody's going to take a brand new coat and cut a hole in it, cut a patch out of it to patch their old coat that now has a hole. You wouldn't do that. Why? Two reasons. First, because the old garment has been washed many times. Therefore, it has already shrunk. How many of you remember the days when you had to buy your clothes a size up because after you washed them, they'd be a size less? How many of you remember that? You young people don't know anything about that, but my mother used to take me when it was time to buy new clothes for school and we would always buy jeans that were falling off of me because she swore after I wash them and dry them, they're going to fit. She was right. They've changed the way they do things now, at least in part, but that used to be part of our lives. So the idea here is that the old garment has already been washed many times. It's already shrunk. The new garment has not been through that. So if you sew the new to the old, when the new shrinks, it's going to pull away from the old, making a tear now to go with the hole you already have. Makes no sense. You wouldn't do that. Number two, the old garment is faded. It has stains on it. The new garment is is bright and clean. You put one with the other and there's an obvious problem, right? They don't match. They don't match. My wife uh, has, uh, she, she manipulated me into a project at the house. And that's sort of what I was referring to about not acting too saintly recently. I even had to have my youngest son intervene and remind me that I wasn't acting right and I should apologize. That's great when your kids give you wonderful advice, isn't it? Anyway, one of the things that's going to be required is that we're going to have to patch some of the carpet. And the carpet in the house is probably 10, 15 years old. It's just one color. There's no, no pattern to it. But, you know, it's just one color. And, and Jim Epps going to help me do that. And Jim told me, well, you got to be careful where you take that patch because you don't realize it right now. But if you take it out of a closet where there's been no sun and no traffic and you put it right there in the middle of the floor, it's going to be very obvious. Right, Jim? That's right. So we're going to have to cut that patch out of a place where there's been traffic. Maybe under a couch or something. I don't know. Anyway, you're not here to talk about my problems. (laughs) But the point is just well made. That when you take something new and try to patch something old, it doesn't match. But what happens is this. This is worth your coming out today. When you take something new and try to patch something old, the new only accentuates the old. It calls attention to just how shabby the old really is. That brings me to truth point number three. Cutting a patch from the new renders it worthless. I mean, who wants a new garment that's already got a hole in it? And it reveals the shabby condition of the old without fixing the problem. So what is the answer? If you're in that kind of a situation, what are you to do? Well, here it is. Replacement. Replacement. What do you do? You retire the old and you employ the new. That's what you do. You quit messing and monkeying around with the old and you start using the new. You take the old, maybe use it for your oil changes and stuff like that. And, but you, and you start using the new. That, that's, that's the point. Now, Jesus continues beyond this garment thing. And he continues his parable by illustrating 
the issue of new wine and old wine skins. And he reminds the people who were there of something they all knew very well. He wasn't teaching them anything new. He was telling them what they all knew. That you don't put new wine into old wine skins. Why? Number one, old wine skins have lost their elasticity. Old wine skins are brittle. Old wine skins are inflexible. Old wine skins are unyielding. That's just a fact. And second, new wine demands expansion. New wine, by its very nature, as it ferments, it lets off gases. And and if it's going to be housed in an appropriate container, it must be in a container that can bloat out and come back. It's got to be supple. It must be pliable. It must be yielding. Truth number four, truth point number four. New wine and old wine skins is a disaster waiting to happen. New wine will require give and take. Old wine skins will be rigid and unyielding. The pressure will cause the skins to break and you will lose the new wine and you'll lose the skin to boot. So you don't do that. That's just dumb. So what's the answer to the problem? If you got new wine and you got the old skins, what do you need to do? Replacement. You don't use the old wineskins for the new wine. You get new wineskins for the new wine so that they are compatible and they go together. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.